your first eight guys maybe should be blue plate specials, but those back five guys, they should be more like tin hats, more guys that are grunt players, garbage players that dive for the ball. You are listening to the Scrambled Eggs Podcast on CrackedSidewalks.com. Hello, everyone, and welcome into Scrambled Eggs, your unofficial Marquette basketball podcast here on CrackedSidewalks.com. Joe McCann and Phil Bush here with you once again. And Phil, today I, I thought we would talk about one of the top 10 teams in the country. Oh, do you have one in mind? Any particular top 10 team? Uh, oh, oh, wait, us! Marquette oh! is a top 10 team in the country. Oh, would you look at that? Uh, maybe, you know, we, we were picked to finish ninth in the Big East. Maybe they meant ninth in the country? Maybe uh, that was... Could be. Stranger things have happened. Yeah. Uh, so that was a nice little bump to our Monday. We're going to talk about Marquette being a top 10 team. We're talking about, of course, as always, the week that was, a couple wins last week. And then we will talk about uh, what is going to be the start of a of a big, big stretch uh, for your Golden Eagles. First, let's just touch about that. talk about that just briefly, Phil. I, I went on... The, um, uh, 97 in the game in Milwaukee on Monday with Doug Russell and it was, they, they just asked me like what's that mean to be a top 10 team in the country and I I, I like I guess I didn't think too I, too much of it say well it's it's cool it's not like we're gonna hang a banner for being a top 10 team in the country but I just think it's cool that you know when you're looking at rankings and scoreboards that your team is way up there right like right. when you go to like a website to look for scores or uh looking on the bottom line on espn and you know your team's going to come up really early when the scores cycle around again i think that's the best part about being a top 10 team oh, I, I just think that the fact that like you're you're ranked of any kind but especially top 10 i think you know now the tv contracts are more settled but like just the fact that highlights get shown and and you know there it's much more likely you know to do those in-game check-ins or the 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 between game check-ins where the you know the the studio crew's like well let's check in and see what top 10 marquette's doing today against yukon or or whoever right like it just when the yeah yeah, like when like a national show, national podcast or whatever is thinking like, what, what are some st- subjects we should talk about this week? They're going to scan the top 25 and say, all right, number one, okay, number two, okay, number five, playing number seven, we should talk about that, all right, number 10, and then you get the, you get to Marquette pretty quickly when you do that. So, like, you're more likely to be in national conversations now. Yeah, absolutely. And, and you know, and I think, I I don't know what it is about the numbers, but right when you, when you say top 10 team... Uh, maybe non-sports fans or or sport fan adjacent folks start to pay attention, right? Like it's like right. they, they can wrap their heads around the fact that, oh, wait a minute, that's like one of the ten best teams in the country in my town where I can go watch them. Like yeah. that that it it has that cachet um, that I think will start to get the. Uh, the non-nutheads like us uh, interested in this program, which is absolutely critical, and you would think marketing would would solve some of that. But, you know, hey, let's take a top 10 ranking and and see if we can get some eyeballs as a result. It's got cachet, baby. But, yeah, it's it's good in that regard that you are just – in the discussion, more likely than not, like the Super Bowl is coming this coming week, and after that, many sports fans like have a void in their brain of like, okay, well, I've dedicated this much brain power to football for the last few months. Now I'm done with that for a while. 
uh, let's see who's good in college basketball because I haven't been paying attention the last few you know few months. And you look, okay, oh wow, okay, Kansas is good. That makes sense. Oh, Purdue's much higher than I thought. Wow, Marquette is a top ten team. Holy crap, right? Like right. things like that. People will think, oh, I didn't know Marquette was a top ten team. Maybe I should watch them. So I, I guess that's what's exciting about it. Like a top ten ranking could be gone in a week, right? We're, we got UConn this week on the road, so. No guarantee we're going to be top 10 a week from now. Hopefully we still are. But I, I guess that's what's exciting about it is many people across the country who haven't given Marquette basketball five seconds of thought might, I don't know, give them five seconds of thought <laughs> now when they look at the, the latest rankings. Absolutely. Absolutely. So and, and it's just it's nice to be back, right? I mean, it's been four years. Uh, that was the last time we were, Marquette was ranked in the top 10? Yes. Four years? Yeah, okay, it's been so. four years. Yeah. 2019. And that was uh, turned out to be a pretty shaky top 10 ranking. Yeah, it uh, the, the roof caved in pretty quickly on, on that one. Right. But we don't need to talk about that. And this uh, is different, it, so. Yeah, it, it, it is different because uh, Paintjust just tweeted about that earlier. Like, when that came out, the metrics were much lower on Marquette at the time, and the metrics kind of may have caught up to them there. Marquette's been a top 10 Ken Palm team for a few weeks now. Right. So now they're top 10 both according to the metrics and to the voters. So there may be some consistency and some synergy there that we hope uh, continue. But let's talk briefly, Phil, about the week that was. Um, Shaka Smart has never lost Villanova as Marquette's coach. That seems significant. Yeah, that's... Uh, Villanova looked better. Just to touch on that, it's kind of old news at this point, but uh, it's not insignificant to get a season sweep over Villanova still because, I mean, they're a middle-of-the-road Big East team as it is now, but they gave Marquette a pretty good fight in that game as pretty much what we predicted in last week's pod coming into it that we thought Marquette would uh, Villanova would give Marquette a bigger fight than the 12-point Ken Palm spread suggested, and it ended up uh, being like a 6.5-point spread. Marquette did cover that. But, I mean, that was a close game up until the final couple minutes. And, you know, Villanova's record is not all that impressive. They're, all, they're very likely not going to make the tournament. But I still was impressed with that win over a very desperate and still talented Villanova team. Yeah, I think, you know, one of the things, folks, to take away is is Villanova is, is a bit of a matchup challenge for Marquette, right? And they're certainly not the Villanovas of old. They don't have the deadly shooters all over the floor, right? They're, they're a bit of a shadow of their former selves, but it is still a very veteran team. I think, you know, as, as Shaka said in his post game, you know, he started, they start four players from the final four run plus an all American, right? Right. In, in Whitmore. So, you know, again, on paper, on that pesky paper, they they, they have legitimate opportunity to be good. I just think when, you know, if you were to make up a team that's going to, uh, or a, a team format that's going to challenge Marquette's team this year, it's going to be a team that rebounds well, shoots the ball well, and can switch one through five on defense. And and that's you know Villanova is the closest to that in the Big East, um, and and so they they gave Marquette a bit of a run. But again, even. It, it kind of says, hey, look, this team has grit. This team can win different ways, even when shots aren't falling. And I think that was the big takeaway from Villanova was, yes, they were challenged. Yes, it felt like one of those games where they were never going to quite get over the hump. But then guess what? They actually did get over the hump and they notched a, a not inconsequential 
um, victory when you look at, you know, the standings in the Big East and the metrics and, and all of that stuff. You know, a very solid and, you know, I wouldn't go so far as to say impressive win, but a, a critical win for, um, for Marquette this season. So I, I came away pretty impressed. I think I'm done. I'm glad to be done with Villanova for the regular season. Yes. Uh, you know, They're like, going to catch somebody, right? They're, they like, are going to get somebody. I, I, you know, I know they went out and lost the next game to Creighton, but uh, of all the top like five, six teams, I think they play almost all of them at least once. I do think Villanova is going to pick somebody off and do Marquette a favor uh, and just hand them one extra loss that is not projected according to all the metrics projections. Uh, I, I don't think Villanova is going to hit the switch and be like favored to win the Big East tournament when we get there or anything like that. I still think they are uh, well out of the field, and I don't think they're going to play their way in. But they are good enough to beat a Providence or Connecticut or Creighton or Xavier if one of those teams has a tough night, right? And so I, I think I'm glad that we don't have to play Villanova again, and the, all those teams pretty much do. So I'm rooting for Villanova to, to flip the switch a little bit. So they're tough, and I th- I'm, I'm glad to be done with them. Yeah, I, I am too, and, and that's one of those teams that – that can catch you when when you're off, and so if we don't have to face them in the Big East tournament or again this season, I'm fine with that. So Marquette followed up that win over Villanova with a win over Butler, a game that maybe ended up being closer than we expected, Phil. But it, because it was National Marquette Day, it was just kind of a fun day, and I, in the end, I, at the end of the day, I wasn't really groaning or caring too much that. Butler kept it closer than we thought they would because Butler has lost most of their Big East games, all the games they've lost by 15 to 20 points, right? And right. So I, I, thought it, I thought it would be a blowout and an easy cover, quite frankly, for Marquette. But they, uh, but Butler played them tough, and, and maybe Marquette's offense just maybe just had a tough day, just a bit of an off day. But bottom line, it was a win. In all things considered, it was a comfortable win. You know, they didn't cover the 15 and a half, but they – they won easy, and the victory was really never in doubt. And and on top of that, there was all the buzz and hype and excitement surrounding National Marquette Day. So overall, I think it was a positive afternoon for anyone watching the game. Yeah, I, I think it was a fantastic day. We had the 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 blue and gold brewing. Their their seventy sevens came out, which I can give you a, uh, a a review on here in a little bit. But you know the the game itself. Um, it was a fun game. Marquette jumped, you know, there was, there was talk four or five minutes into the game was, was Marquette going to pitch a shutout. So that, that kind of set the, the tone and the mood, um, for, for what was going on. I will say that, that Shaka coached like he thought they were going to win. Um, you know, I, I, you know, we, we went into our super secret chat and, and had some folks run some data and, uh, and thanks to paint touches for pulling this together. But if you look at it, the starters for Marquette only played 14 possessions in, in this Butler game, right? And and the starters for Marquette, if you look at it nationally, the that that starting five is is one of the top five lineups in all of the country. So if you have, you know, 60 some odd possessions in a game and you only play a top five lineup 14 of the times, um, you are trying some stuff, right? Like you are, yeah. you're, you're saying, well, you know, I think, I think we're going to win. So let's see what we can do. Let's see if we can steal rest, right? Like, oh, so Iguodaro only played 30 minutes. He had played, you know, 36, 32, 33, the couple of games before that. So 
I I feel like that Butler game was one of those one of those games where Shaka goes, um, hey, let's let's see what we can let's see what we got. Let's give Ben Gold long run, right? Let's let's career give, high minutes for him, right? Right, exactly. Let's see what he can do with with continuous time. Let's rest some players. Let's give um, you know folks folks time that they might not otherwise that they might not otherwise get. And if it results in a in a ho hum eight point victory, I don't know. I would take it, right? Like there there was nothing about that Butler game that I ever was like. Now could have been the beers, but um, I was never like, "Hmm, this is getting tight." I don't know. Like I was, I was feeling no pain the entire game. I knew they were going to win. Same here. It. Yeah. Like I, granted, I was having a good time at our National Marquette Day watch party in Dallas, and I never really, even for a minute, thought, "Oh, they could lose this game." Like even Butler, I was the closest Butler got in the second half, maybe six. Yeah. Like they, they like I think they they got it within six and they had the ball to where if they maybe if they could have hit a three on that possession could have gotten it with them in one, but they didn't. Uh, that might have been when Stevie had that dynamite defensive possession. Um, with towards the end of the game, <laughs> like yes. Stevie yes. Mitchell uh, just was just it seems like he guarded like three guys on that play, and <laughs> Stevie Mitchell showed why he. Probably should be a first-team All Big East defender. I think, um, just on that possession alone. And but yeah, I, th- I agree with because Chase Ross had a, a pretty good game. We already had ten points in that one. Um, so yeah, it, it maybe was a game to experiment a little bit, and maybe that's why it ended up being a little closer. <laughs> Shaka had a tee in the second half, and I think that helped Butler keep it close as well. Um, but. Yeah, it was certainly a, a fun day. Phil, you mentioned you. I am jealous you got to sample more than one of these 77 gold nails on the afternoon. Uh, enjoyable? Yeah, they were They were very enjoyable. I will say they are a – the way I would describe them is they are a – you know they're they're an upscale logger, right? They're you know they're not a they're not a Miller Lite, but they're a you know they're a, a step just above that from a from a taste. I I thoroughly enjoyed them and and could definitely uh, enjoy quite a few of them in in one sitting. So I I highly recommend as soon as those get restocked, get some for your fridge. They're a great game day drink. Excellent, excellent. So well, I, I definitely plan on doing that. Uh, later in February, I'm planning on checking out the uh, DePaul game. So hopefully they're back in stock by the 25th. So let's get those ready for that. We we'll can. make we'll, we'll uh, make it happen for you, Joe. We'll make we, it. Happen. We we we'll, we'll get it done. So you know, for those of you who saw the television broadcast, you saw our watch party in Dallas Fort Worth. Uh, shouts to Fox Sports One who like used my tweet, uh, my photo of our National Marquette Day. We had 50 people at our watch party in Dallas. Hey, so, winning brings the people out, right? I, it, it like I said that to like more than like more than one person came up to me at that party and say, "Wow, we had a lot of people here today." That's that was the line I kept throwing back at them. It's like, "What's what happens when the team is good?" Right. <laughs> like, like when when the team is good, people care, people watch, and pe- there was a lot of buzz, a lot of excitement um, in Dallas, and it seemed like all over the country for uh, National Marquette Day. It seemed like a jam packed, just loud rowdy crowd at the Pfizer Forum, so a, a fun day, an expected win, and, and just really just taking care of business, doing what you have to do to set yourself up for now what starts to be a, a gauntlet for Marquette, Phil. Over the next four games, at Connecticut, at Georgetown, Xavier at home, and then at Creighton. And this, we talked about this briefly on last week's pod. This is going to be the stretch when we know, when we figure out, can this team win a Big East title or not? I mean, this the 
the easy, the I would say the easy part, but they're you need to win some tough games if you're going to win a Big East championship, and now they are coming Marquette's way. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I think in the next, um, literally in the next 14 days, we will know whether Marquette is going to um, is going to have a, a title run in it, right? Because I don't. If we can go, what what would you say? I think at a minimum we got to go two and two in the next four games, and then the last three are, you know. I know Shaka says should is a, the most dangerous word, but you right. know. He said that a lot on the pod with uh, Jen Latta last week. But, yes, he's correct, but it was a good take. Right. Uh, but, you know, so DePaul at home, Butler on the road, and then St. John's at home. They, they should go 3-0, and right? So uh, let's let's rack those in and say 14-2 and with four games to be decided. Um, you go 2-2, two and 16-4 two, and four feels like, the minimum at this point to win a Big East title in the in in the regular season, right? Yeah, I, I basically I, I don't know if I, I'm thinking as much as uh, how many wins you got to get, but if Marquette is still in first after that Creighton game, mm-hmm. whether it's whether you win whether you win two games, whether you win three games, whether you struggle and you only get one, but if Marquette is still in first, even if they're tied, I think they would finish the job. Yeah, and it take care. But like you said, you, you got to take every opponent seriously. You know that that ne- next to last game at Hinkle kind of has trap written all over it. But uh, if Marquette is still in first place after the Creighton game, the remaining three they're going to be favored by nine or more points, according to Ken Palm, in all of them. You got to take care of business and finish the job from there. So that's kind of what I'm looking at. Yeah. So even if Marquette does drop a couple games over the next couple weeks here, keep, don't make the assumption that everyone else in contention is going to win all of True. the games because they, they they all play each other. Almost all of them still have a game against a, a Villanova team that is getting a little bit better. So and then their upsets happen. You know, maybe De- DePaul, Georgetown, St. John, somebody could do us a favor and pull a big upset against one of those teams. He's just not sure exactly the way this is going to go. But I, I will say, we said this about the UConn home game a few weeks ago. I'll say it again about the Xavier game. If you haven't been to a Marquette game this year and you've been thinking about it, go and get a ticket for that Xavier game. Fill that place up. Because I think that is a game you are going to want to be in the house for that one. Because, granted, there's a lot of things that have to happen. There are a lot of games left. But that game could decide the Big East champion because they're both they're, they're tied at the top of the league right now. They have similar schedules down the stretch, and it may boil down to who wins that game. Yeah, so. ab- absolutely. That game is going to be it's it's the biggest game left on the home schedule by far. I I know a, a certain podcaster will be in attendance for the DePaul game, um, you know, which will be your uh, your Fiserv debut, right? So that's yeah, never been. I've never been to the arena. That that is that is not an inconsequential uh, event, right? I don't know that it's worth buying a ticket to the Paul game just to see Joe see a game at Fiserv. But hey, hey like, whatever, but, but whatever you, know what you I'm need. Honestly hoping, what I'm honestly hoping, maybe they could clinch a share of the Big East title that day, depending on how the rest of the thing, season goes. That's they, true. If, you know, if they get hot, if they hypothetically win three of the next four and maybe get some help as well, maybe they could be in a position to clinch a tie with that game. That's kind of what I'm crossing my fingers for. But, again, we're getting way ahead of ourselves. Uh, but that Xavier game, regardless of what happens at UConn this week, that Xavier game feels like a one that 
everybody in Milwaukee, every Marquette fan in Milwaukee and surrounding areas and Northern Illinois. Shouts to Jeff. Yeah, Je- my, Jeff my, will my, be at the game, I'm sure. We'll, oh, we'll talk oh, him into Je- it. Yeah, Jeff will be there. But if you all, there aren't many great Marquette home games left. I mean, there's there's the DePaul game. Then there's St. John's, which is usually Al's night is the St. John's game. But are they doing St. Al's night the same night as St. John's being as the last day? And yeah, I was gonna say it's Senior Day, but Marquette but are they doing a Senior Day? For, I, for I, I haven't Wrightsell heard. Or, I, I haven't yeah. heard. I mean, Zach Wrightsell would be the only only senior of note, and even that is a bit of a footnote given how how his season turned out. So right. I don't know what they're gonna do. Maybe it's gonna be a senior slash. Um, Al's night, or maybe they'll do something senior, like in the locker room or before the game. I yeah. don't think it's going to be a deal, you know. Yeah, like they they may do senior day for if I mean if there are, there are like managers or you know band members, they like give them a shout a shout out for all seniors who are involved with the basketball program, cheerleaders and all that. But uh, yeah, the only player on the roster who is a senior is Zach Wrightsill, who. I have no idea what his future plans are because he didn't barely played this year. Hypothetically, could apply for a six year of eligibility, and I don't even know if that would happen at Marquette. But um, yeah, I have no idea if that'll be a senior day. But but the point is, that's all that's really left on the home schedule is mm-hmm. is just a, a bunch of games that Marquette are supposed to win, and this critical critical Xavier game. So if you're thinking about getting out to a Marquette game, buy a ticket to that Xavier game. You're going to want to be at that one. Yeah, and it's a six o'clock start. Bring your kids. No red for Owen. We'll be going to the game. We're we're gonna leave. Uh, we're gonna leave soccer practice a little early so we can get uh, get down to the five serve for uh, for tip off. And it's it's gonna be a heck of a game. And 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 like you said, buy those buy those tickets now. And and it's gonna be a nationally talked about game. So you know, because those are gonna be ostensibly depending on how how the rankings shake out next Monday. Those those could be two top fifteen teams. Um, you know, playing, like you said, for an outright share of the Big East. Like, it doesn't get bigger than that in the regular season, especially right. this late. Exactly. So, get your tickets to that one. But before we get to all of that, big game on Tuesday, Phil, which I'm sure many of you will be listening to this on Tuesday. Uh, this return game against Connecticut, uh, a team that is still the highest-rated Ken Palm team in the Big East, but they've just piled up a lot of losses against the other top-tier contenders in the league. So I would say UConn is out of the Big East championship picture, but they're kind of in the, like, they really need to turn it on now if they still want to climb the ladder over these last couple weeks and get a share of the Big East title. And according to the metrics, they have every possibility to do that because they're a great defensive team, they're a great offensive team, they are excellent inside. Uh, They'll be favored in almost all of their remaining games, I think, maybe save one or two. Um... But and this obviously was a tough matchup the first time around at in Milwaukee. But this Connecticut team is going to be tough, and they and it's going to be at their place. And I'm looking at their schedule right now. Yeah, they are favored to win all but one of their remaining games. They still have Creighton on the road as the only game where they are not favored down the stretch. So if you're a Connecticut fan, you're probably honestly looking at that you could win out, right? And finish 14 and six and maybe that would be close enough to win a share of the Big East title so they're not out of it and they're going to look to make that statement against Marquette on Tuesday yeah I I think you know they've been they've been on the struggle bus a little bit here over the last quite frankly the last month right that's that's really where they've been 
been facing some challenges, especially from the lofty expectations at the end of December where they found themselves. So, you know, I think the challenge I have in evaluating this game is it feels like UConn is due to return back to the norm. Like it, it that, you know, that just makes sense. It's like they're not smoke and mirrors. They're a very good team. All the metrics say they're a good team. But I also haven't seen anything yet that tells me they're going to return to good, right? I, you know, they struggled against, admittedly, uh, you know, it was on the road, but a, against a bad Georgetown team, they only they only won by six, and and that game was in question, you know, somewhat late. Which I don't, you know, I, I mean, hell, with with like fifteen minutes left, the uh, the win probability got to almost. Uh, Almost fifty uh, percent, which like I don't know how you can do that against Georgetown. Like, right. but, you know, if if you're a really good team, so I I think I think it's going to be interesting to see what UConn team comes out on the floor, um, because all the same matchup problems are there for UConn against Marquette that were there the first time around. We just we couldn't see it because we were blinded by holy crap, they've got bigs and they've got a lot of size and they were playing really great and we're like, mm, this is a terrible matchup problem. Um, but, you know, it, Marquette and UConn have seemed to have gone opposite directions since that meeting. Yeah, I mean, Connecticut went on a stretch where they lost six of eight and then they've kind of steadied the ship uh, here winning their last two, but that's DePaul and Georgetown. And but the thing, I think we, two things that I remember Excuse me from the first game, Phil. Number one is that Donovan Klingland Klingon was a nightmare. Yeah. Uh, like you get you get Sonogo out of the game. Like, all right, well, we got the preseason biggest player of the year out of the game. Let's make a run here. And then Klingon all of a sudden was like Shaq. <laughs> like he just right. couldn't be stopped. Yeah. Like and so he was a problem. And the other thing I remember from that game. Both teams had an idea of exactly who they wanted to attack on defense. For Marquette, they went at Caravan as much as they possibly could. And UConn, they went at Joplin as much as they possibly could. So I'll be curious to see uh, if there are similar offensive strategies, like let's pick a guy out and go at him as much as we can, That if both teams do that again. And then I will also be able to see how Marquette manages the sonogo Klingon dilemma again. Yeah, well, and that's and that's going to be the the question, right? Because I, I think one of the things we all kind of reveled in was that at at the end of the the first matchup, uh, Klingon was on the bench and Sonogo was in, and and I understand, you know, why Bob Her Bobby Hurley made that made that call, but it it seemed in the moment the wrong call given what Klingon did to to Marquette generally overall. So, you know, I. How how he handles that lineup, you know. They, Dan Hurley, you, by the way. Dan Hurley, did I say Bobby? Yes. Yeah. Uh, yes. Dan Dan Hurley. I knew that felt all, coming it's, out of my it's mouth. Easy to, it's easy to screw them all. Yeah. There are a lot of Hurleys. Um, they're everywhere. Um, and and so like it's going to be a home game. I think UConn's going to be feeling the pressure even more so than Marquette. I mean, obviously, you know, Marquette's going to want to continue to win, and and that would the, be the potential for for win number six for Marquette. So, you know, there, there's a lot to, um, to, to want to play for, but, but UConn is going to need that win if they want any hope, right? And so they're going to be feeling the pressure. They're going to be feeling with their fans, um, you know, and, and UConn has also shown, 
I, I wouldn't say that they can't close out games late, but they've struggled, right? Like the first time they played Georgetown, they they struggled to put them away, and and now they've they struggled again the second time, and they had the they they had a lead against Xavier late in the second half and couldn't close that out. So, is that something that's going to continue to bother UConn if Marquette can keep it close? You know, either a small lead or a small deficit. You know, is that going to be a problem for for UConn because while Marquette hasn't been in many close games? Um, they have shown that most of the close games they can they can make a run at the end. Yeah, I mean even just these last two games, even they were against lesser opponents, teams Marquette was favored against comfortably. They had to grind out wins against Villanova and Butler. Right, like they had to kind of lock down and get a stop late, or you know hit some free throws to make sure they they closed it out. But uh, but yeah, I, I agree with what you're saying that UConn they need this one, and boy, uh, like it's funny sometimes how one win can just. And then when you reset things and look at the schedule remaining, how much it changes. Because if you look at, first of all, if you beat UConn this week, you've put them at arm's length. They're not catching you in the league. They because right. thirteen and seven, thirteen and seven is not winning the league. Not even a share, I don't think. Because um, I, I, there would no have to that, be a lot of collapses. Yeah, I mean, yeah, a lot. There's no way that Marquette, Xavier, and Providence all get the seven losses. No way at all. So, first of all, you win that game, you're putting Connecticut at arm's length. They're not going to catch you. Secondly, if you got to win against Connecticut, then you look at this four-game stretch, and all of a sudden it's like, all right, well, you got to beat Georgetown. That should happen. And then you get Xavier at home. And then, like, the only game left that you're not a favorite in is at at Creighton. And even if you go there and get blown out, it's only one loss. <laughs> it's only one. And it's probably not going to hurt you in the grand scheme of things. So it, the, the perspective of where Marquette is and how close they would be to a Big East title shifts quite a bit with a win on Tuesday uh, against Connecticut because for all those reasons, because all of a sudden the road just looks so much better, even if it's just after one win. But if you lose that game, it's like, all right, well, we – First of all, we got to make sure we take care of Georgetown, and we better defend home court against Xavier because then all of a sudden you're looking at, oh, well, if you don't beat Xavier, then you're looking at losing a three out of four, then you're out of the title picture altogether. So one win could kind of shift perspective a lot for Marquette and how likely they are to win this league. Yeah, absolutely, and, and it's and it's about setting the tone. And I think one of the one of the areas where where people I, I don't know there was a little chatter it felt like on Twitter or whatever where people were concerned. You know, Marquette's, you know, when you look at the metrics, Marquette's defense is improving. But, you know, now we're, quote unquote, only um, the fourth best offense in the country, right, per Ken Palm, right? And we, we were Gasp. number Yeah, I mean, you know, get your fainting couches. But but I will say this is, is again, I think we talked a little bit at a, uh, in the, the Butler review. Um, I, I don't think the offense is slowing down or the offense is, is in trouble or... You know, the teams have figured out how to guard the offense. I think that the, the offense a little bit downshifted here in the last couple of games, right? And and sure, there there might have been some, you know, there might have been some uh, um, missed shots or or things like that. But I think there was a willful change in approach here over the next the last couple of games that that kind of made the offense a little less efficient. You know, uh, Shaka talked about in the post game that against Butler, the team went a little too much one on one. All easily correctable. This isn't like last year, where where all of a sudden, you know, we're where we were hot for eight weeks and or for eight games, and then all of a sudden we weren't. Right? I think 
Um, I think it's just a matter of, of the team focusing up. And I think nothing is going to focus you up more than having to travel to stores with with a conference title on the line, you know, or at least the next step in a conference title. These are the type of environments you got to win in if you want to be a conference champion. Right? You're not going to get to a conference title by just winning your home games and then beating DePaul and Georgetown on the road. Like <coughs> you got to go into an environment like this and win. So, right. if you want to be a champion, here's your opportunity. This is an opportunity to get that done. So, it'll be tough. It'll be exciting. A lot of eyes will be on that game. It'll probably be the game of night. I haven't looked at the entire college basketball schedule for Tuesday, but I can't imagine there are many better games on Tuesday night than. Marquette at UConn. So I think there'll be a lot of eyes on that one, a lot of people talking about it as well. So uh, what's your gut feeling, Phil? Is Marquette um, going to stores and get a dub or not? I, I do think I do think they will. Um, I think it's going to be another tight game. I don't – now, what, here's – we haven't talked about that That Sean Jones is likely yeah, going to be I, out of this game, right? Right. I, I, I That's right. Thanks for – Remind me, I did want to bring that up. I, I, I'm a little worried about Sean for the season. I, I don't know if he's going to come back. The fact he was in street clothes with that wrist wrapped, but man, I, I hope they get him back. But I, if if you keep him out of this game, hopefully you can beat Georgetown without him too, and then maybe he's ready for that Xavier game. But uh, like, have you seen anything definitive one way or the other, like a timetable for Sean? No, I haven't. The, the only the only rumors I had essentially were it, it's going to come down to whether resting it up enough alleviates the pain enough. Uh, that he can give it a go. So I think it's going to be literally a game to game. And I wouldn't, you know, and, and, and this isn't a Sean referendum by any stretch of the imagination, but we're starting to get to the point in the season where, where the benches, benches shorten up a little bit anyway. Um, you know, and, and Sean losing Sean is, is not good. I, you know, he's certainly made a huge impact in the, in the first UConn game, obviously. Uh Um, but guard is is kind of our most redundant position so that's where we can absorb an injury the the best i think you know his him not being able to take 10 15 minutes in a game might catch up uh as we get later in the season right like that 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 might affect us say on the road against creighton right so it's it's not good that he's not available but i i think the team is is built to absorb that and and if we're talking about this game, UConn game in in particular, I think I think Marquette will get refocused. I think there's going to be a lot of good coaching coming out of that that Butler game and what they did wrong and and getting the offense back back up to full speed. So I you know and I don't think we're going to see Marquette go down double digits, right? Like I think this is going to be a back and forth affair. Um, and, and I just, I think Marquette wins it simply because again, I think they can close out and, and maybe UConn gets a little tight, a little late. Um, and, and let's, let's Marquette eke out a, a win, like two or three, something like that. Dang it, Phil. I am with you, man. I really am. Like, I, 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 I think for all the reasons you said, I, I think one phrase we hear a lot around this team, whether it's Shaka on the radio or just other people who are closer to the program than we are talking about the team, is buy-in, buy-in. They're all bought in, right? We hear that a lot from people who are close to this team. Everyone is bought in. And I think these guys are all bought in on this team winning a conference championship and everything Shaka is telling them about every step they have to take if they want to achieve that. And 
I I love how Shaka like seems to have like a different theme or a different idea to promote every game and like make it exciting, right? More exciting than maybe it otherwise would be to like keep the season fresh and make sure there's no late season lull of being tired and you know going through the routine. All right, we got another game. We got another game. Like he, he like the he had the water pitcher thing in the the Villanova game and like he explained that on the radio show with Jen Latta about how they. It was like we want everybody to contribute and pour into your teammates and put what's important right now and how you're going to help your team in the in the water pitcher and the walk-ons had that during that game. It's like things like that that he comes up with that to to make each game a new challenge. Like it's a whole new game, a whole new theme each game, and that's what makes each game exciting and how this team keeps locking in game after game and staying focused. And I think you made a good point about the Butler game. Maybe they were trying a few things in that game to say, all right, are we going to bring this to the UConn game? And Ben Gold getting extended minutes might be something you need against Connecticut. Right. With right. They're big guys. So I think they're ready. And I think that was possibly a, a thinking ahead from the coaching staff of what they did in that Butler game. And I think they're going to be ready, and I think they're going to make uh, another statement on Tuesday against Connecticut. And I think they're going to get a hard-fought, gutty win in stores. Put Connecticut away in the Big East title race, and then you turn the page and look. make sure you take care of business against Georgetown. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's not dissimilar to, you know, the Chicago State game prior to the Baylor game. Now, you know, hindsight's twenty twenty, but that Chicago State game felt a little... Like, what are we doing here? We're playing with our food kind of thing. Um, and, and you and I, we have zero evidence of this, right? It's entirely wild, rampant podcast speculation. But it felt like after the fact that that was, hey, let's, we're, you know, we're already starting to scout Baylor and install whatever we're going to do against Baylor before, you know, before we got to the Chicago State game. That kind of feels like what we did this, this, this weekend with Butler was, okay, let's get some rest. Let's try some things. Let's do some different stuff, and let's get ready for UConn because you know Baylor is is what Baylor is, right? Um, you know, and 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 so I, I like I have zero reason not to believe in this staff or this team, right? Like I have I have never you know like you said the 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 team's bought in. I'm bought in. Like I I I have not been this wildly like enthusiastic about a Marquette team and and I can't even remember how long right this is the most optimistic of optimistic fills correct correct and what's crazy is I may not be optimistic enough right I mean like there are for sure there are probably losses still left on the schedule right I I, I'd be hard-pressed to to imagine that we're gonna go what would be ostensibly we would go 13 and 0 down you know from right. mid-January, right? I just, mm, I it, it, I don't feel like even this team can, can, can do that. But I think just the, the, the fluidity with which the team plays, the approach, the enthusiasm, the, the, the kind of the bought-in nature, like there, I, I think I saw somebody on Twitter say it, and I thought it was really revelatory was like, I love this team, and for the first time in a long time, I can't pick a favorite player, right? Like that, and I and I think that's the thing about this team is like they're all in it together, and I can't pick out any one player that I'm like, you know, sure, I've got a bit of a jop wagon obsession, whatever. Uh, but you know, you know what I mean. Like, there's not any one. 
player where you go, this guy is head and, head and shoulders above the rest or clearly right. a fan favorite. Yeah, like you pointed out in the pod last week, we had six different guys lead the team in scoring in a game this year. And we almost got a seventh. Uh, I think up until like the last couple minutes, Chase Ross was leading the team in scoring. But I think uh, Kolek passed him and got a couple more points towards the end to lead the team in scoring in that game. But so many guys contribute, and there's so much to like about every guy on the team. It, it, it's just a lot of fun to follow, and I, and I agree with you. I am all in on this coaching staff and the way they prepare this team game to game. And I don't expect a lull, a, a brain fart, a, a game where they just come out not focused or come out just not prepared. That would be shocking to me because I honestly haven't seen it this year. Right. Yep. I agree. No, I mean, there always could one be one, but I, I think, you know, the kind of, and we, and you mentioned it or, or we jointly mentioned it, you know, when, when paint touches was, uh, was talking about the 2019, uh um top 10 ranking and and how it compared to the metrics um versus this one right that the the metrics the ken palms were saying we were in the 20s back then um and and now the the ken palm rankings are are putting us much closer to a top 10 ranking so so there seems to be some consistency there but this this team may have a loss right and they may lose somewhere along the way but this team has been ridiculously consistent um you know quite frankly since the mississippi state game right there yes there are three losses between that mississippi state game and now but marquette was consistent in all of them again wisconsin pulled about 17 horseshoes out of its butt to win that game in ot right um you know providence historic whistle and xavier a hard-fought game on the road that marquette with two minutes to go could have, you know, if a bucket or two goes, could have eked out a win in, right? Like, and the rest of the time, they're either blowing player teams out or they're winning, uh, maybe not comfortably at the end, but they're winning where the other team is really having to fight to try and make up the gap. That is almost three months of, of like just consistent performance. So I know we're getting late in the season, players start wearing down, but other teams are wearing down too. So I don't see any reason where, why from a style and an approach standpoint, this team can't continue to rack up the wins because it's it's the players executing the system, if you will, that's winning the games, not the players themselves. Yeah, and even if they did come out and have a stinker of a loss in the next couple of weeks here, I wouldn't get too bit out of shape about it because it would be just one. It would be if one turned into two and then two turned into three out of four or something like that. You know? Right. Other than that, you know, a, a turd of a loss happens here or there. I mean, Xavier lost to DePaul and they can still win the league, right? You know, you can – sometimes you can have a bad loss and just bounce back from it and shake it off. So, But hopefully that doesn't – they don't need to do that, especially uh, the with Saturday's game against Georgetown. This is – you know, the, I think the running joke I've seen around Big East Twitter is Georgetown Roulette. Like, it's now your turn to play a game of Georgetown Roulette and be the team that possibly loses a game to Georgetown. DePaul took one of those bullets, and hopefully no one else has to take one. But Georgetown, they, they're just so pesky. They, they, they hang with teams, but more often than not, they get blown out in the second half. Uh, they hung around, as you mentioned, they hung around with Connecticut in their most recent game on Saturday. Uh, but, you know, they lost by 10 to Creighton before that. They had a 
very close loss to St. John's. But I think the overall theme with this Georgetown team, Phil, is they they will hang with you for a half, as they did against Marquette the first time these two teams played. But you just got to wear them down in the second. And you can, if you can just, like, withstand the first half Georgetown run and come out with a strong second half, that team will wither away and you can put them away pretty easily. And that's what I am hoping happens on uh, on Saturday in Washington, D.C. Yeah, ag- agreed. And and I almost don't want to spend much time on it because, you know, admittedly Butler has been of late been playing worse than Georgetown. But, like, you know, going in, it, it's it's one of those, like, let's let's be professionals let's go let's go win the game that we're supposed to win um but unless marquette has just a remarkable collapse and georgetown plays for the first time quite possibly all season plays 40 minutes of good basketball i just i don't see a path where where georgetown is even within 10 to be honest i mean you know i don't either shouts towards you know, fandom and all, but like, yeah, I just, I, I don't see it. Yeah. I Marquette would have to play terrible. That's what, that's really all it, there is to it. And Georgetown would have to play way above its head. And I, I, it's a taking care of business game, right? Like this, it's the Valley game in this four game stretch, which may give you some pause. Like if you're looking at this four game stretch as a whole, that's the game where you might want to breathe a little bit, but Shaka doesn't approach games like that, right? Like you, the way you heard him passionately talk about the Butler game leading up to it, it's like the team that's going to win is the team that scores the most points, right? It's the team that plays the best, and we need to make sure we're that team. It's, I don't care what should is or what you're expecting is going to happen. What's going to happen is going to happen, and the team that plays the best is going to win. And He makes sure his team plays the best every game, and I fully expect them to do that on on Saturday against Georgetown. Like, Georgetown, again, they had... They have a couple good players that can make them hang around. Primo Spears can get hot every now and then, but um, I agree with you, Phil. I, I, I don't want to spend it's like 15 or 20 minutes breaking down a game against Georgetown because quite simply, it's a game you should win. It's a game you're supposed to win, and I am pretty confident it's a game Marquette is going to win. Yeah, agreed. And and let's let's leave it at that, right? Like It's, it's a game that they, they have to win. Now, I, I guess this does... This does elicit one question I have for you. Do would you consider at this point, you know, because there's Georgetown, Butler, St. John's, DePaul left on the schedule as long as as well as the three games. Do you consider Marquette an NCAA tournament lock at this point? Uh like I, if, I, I if they lost I, the next seven and the first game in the Big East, would they still get into the tournament? So let me do the math here. So that would put them at yeah, that put them at eleven and nine in the league and nineteen and twelve overall. I still think that would be good enough. And so yeah, it'd be nineteen and thirteen if you count a Big East tournament loss. I still think that's good enough, don't you? Yeah, I, that and that's why I wanted to ask because I I feel yeah, like maybe like that, I was taking crazy pills because I feel I feel like yeah. that Butler win is essentially makes them a law uh, makes them. Yeah, a Right. And we only put it that way because, by definition, to me, a lock means you could literally lose every game and still get in. Correct. Which is the absolute worst-case scenario. Uh, 
and I think we are now in February where lock becomes an official term. And so, yeah, I, I would say Marquette is a lock for the tournament. And, you know, we, we're, I, I do think we want to have a podcast with uh, Alan Bukowski from Crack Sidewalks here sooner rather than later when maybe he gets dives into the metrics and maybe talks seeding uh, and where Marquette's going to be. But I, looking at the people who do it a lot on Twitter, uh, I see four seed, three seed right now. And with the potential to maybe get up to a two seed if you get hot over this next four game stretch, but even with a, a a shaky finish, maybe you lose three out of four on this tough stretch here. You take care of business in those last three. I still think Marquette's probably going to be at worst a five. I would think. Um, and, and so they're going to be in position, Phil. Bottom line, to be a significant favorite in their first tournament game, which is really what so many Marquette fans. Like the few remaining holdouts of who are buy, who are still holding out, buying all in emotionally, the few remain they they want that tournament win. That's what they want to see. And if Marquette plays the way it is supposed to down the stretch here, they will be a heavy favorite in their first tournament game as a possibly as high as a two seed. I would say at absolute worst a five seed. Yeah, I think uh, I I agree. I think. You know, kind of looking at the remaining, you know, the seven games left on the schedule, Big East Tournament, what everybody else has to do, right? There's a, you know, kind of the pessimistic or worst case scenario is, you know, Penn, or um, Marquette goes uh, uh, four and three down the stretch. And, uh, you know, and, and maybe one of those is is a bad loss, but that would mean picking up a, 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 a good win or whatever. So I think if they go four and three down the straight stretch, which is which is the absolute floor, and lose in the Big East tournament, they're probably you know, and Allen would know better, but we're probably a five seed, maybe a six seed, right? And and so should be favored uh, in that game, um, but I just don't see them going four and three, quite frankly. Yeah, I don't either. I, I they're going to get. A, a notable win in this upcoming four-game stretch. I, I, like, if you're going to pick one, it makes sense to pick the Xavier game, yeah. of course, because uh, Ken Palm has Marquette as, what, a six-point six point favorite at home against Xavier. So, uh, for, for record, they have, Ken Palm has Marquette as a four-point underdog at Connecticut, 14-point favorite at Georgetown, six-point favorite against Xavier, two-point underdog at Creighton. Uh, you know, of the of, and and I know we're starting to sneak into the second week of 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 games and whatnot. But like of the three tough games we have re- re- remaining, at Creighton is the one that like worries me the most in st- in terms of like being being able to win that game. With yeah, because I think that baked into that two point spread for Creighton is that entire stretch when Creighton didn't have Kalkbrenner. Right. Right. They're Those, so much better with him, obviously. Correct. Yeah. They. I mean. Quite frankly, if you if you took out the the non Kalkbrenner games, I think Creighton has been playing like the best team in the Big East. Yeah, maybe so. Maybe so. I, I mean, or, or or at least on the same level as Marquette, right? Like, yeah, yeah. And, and Creighton is certainly looking at this schedule, saying we can win the league. Yeah, because th- they control their own destiny too. If they win all of their games, because they play every pretty much everybody they're trying to catch. So yeah, Creighton is absolutely in this Big East title picture, and that will be a very difficult game. But yeah, we can maybe dive into that one more next week, especially when we see uh, what the team has for us on Tuesday night against Connecticut. And I think it'll be a good win. I-, I I think it'll be a win that will generate even more buzz. So, but we'll see. Yeah, well, let's let's hope they win, generate buzz. So then the uh, the Xavier game 
can be a uh, a sellout, right? Like if if you've got two top fifteen opponents playing each other for a, ostensibly a uh, a share of the Big East title, at least in that moment, like I don't know why you wouldn't want to be at that game. Right. Let's sell that game out. Let's sell out all the remaining home games for that matter. Let's fill that place. I mean, gosh, there's only three home games left. That's it. <laughs> right. What else are you doing? It's it's winter in Wisconsin. Come on. Yeah. Go to Pfizer Forum, get yourself a 77 gold nail or three, and have a good time. I, I sure did on Saturday, so I, <laughs> I, I look to repeat that 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 experience. Excellent. Excellent. Uh, was there anything else you wanted to touch on, Phil, before we wrap this podcast up? We're almost approaching that hour mark no i i think i think we need to reflect on hey your top 10 marquette and uh and get some wins this week that's that's it and let's let's remain top 10 marquette for another week certainly can be done hopefully it will be so you can hit us up on twitter with your feedback i am joe mccann three phil is m-o-o-o-f 23 at crack sidewalks is the team handle go to uh, cracksidewalks.com we post a podcast there you can leave comments on cracksidewalks.com and always uh, rate review and subscribe Apple Podcasts and Spotify and there's also the Scrambled Eggs Facebook page Phil uh, enjoy the week both road games so I guess you will have to enjoy your 77 golden ales at home yeah the wor- worst things have happened but you know it's it's a nice early tip tomorrow so I can watch the game and then put the kids to bed so you know what's what's not to like one more quick story before we get out of here. At our um, at our watch party at in Dallas Fort Worth, the local Marquette Club. This is the first time we had gotten together since last year's National Marquette Day, and uh, the the bar I held the party at. They said um, when I called and made the reservation, they said, uh, "Yeah, we're happy to have you guys, but uh, we have a Kentucky group that comes in as well. What time oh, does Kentucky no. play? What time does Kentucky play that day?" Uh, so I looked at the schedule, and Kentucky played at six o'clock. So I'm like, "Oh, we're at one. They're at six. We'll be we'll be long gone for the Kentucky fans to show up." Like, oh, all right, that's no problem. Then we'll we'll be happy to have you guys. So we show up. I, I told them expect maybe twenty something people. Uh, then we had like fifty, <laughs> and then the manager comes up to me afterwards. And like so many uh, fans there were like came up to me and said, "Hey, you know, we should do this again. We should get together a few more times." I'm like, "Yeah, we really don't have many more Saturday home games to get together. We should, we'll just do it every Saturday for the rest of the year." And the manager's like, "You know, if you guys just want to make us your like official uh, party home, even if Kentucky has a game, you guys bring way more people than Kentucky do, does. So uh, we'll put them in another room. They'll just give them one TV, and you guys can have the big room." So we, wow. we have pushed the Kentucky. We have pushed the Kentucky fans out of our little bar in in Plano, Texas. That that that's in extreme. your eye, Calipari. Man, that, <laughs> yeah, that that's so, the most devastating thing that's happened to him all season. Just I know. Just we're pushing Kentucky fans out of bars in Dallas. So they they get they get the second biggest TV. We get the biggest one. So how about wow. that? Wow. Hey. So I'll good leave you guys. For you. <laughs> I'll leave you guys with that note. Hope your viewing experiences are as fun as mine are. So we're going to do another watch party for the Georgetown game just because we've been welcome back. So hope your viewing experiences are as good as ours were and hopefully will be. Till next time, everybody. Seashells and balloons.